motivation follows action. So back to baby steps, right? Do something. And it can be so ridiculously small. It can literally be like, you're going to put on your running shoes and you're going to walk to the mailbox and back. You took some action, right? And what you will find is that once you do that, then you'll be like, oh, that was kind of fun. Maybe tomorrow I can go all the way down to the end of the block. Or maybe I call a friend and we go the conservation area or something, go for a walk. Like motivation follows action. And I think often people are waiting for the other way around. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. Really thankful that you are here with me again for another episode on the Wellness Witch podcast. I'm very excited to interview my friend today, Sarah Best. We are talking about healthy habits, consistency, why we get stuck, why we can't make them stick, and how our brain plays a role in this. So it's a really juicy conversation. We also talk about mindful eating. Sarah defines what mindful eating means to her and how this can be such a powerful tool for helping us to create healthier habits with food. She has worked with numerous women over the years who have been wanting to lose weight and just change their overall health, but they keep falling flat. They start and then they stop and then they start and then they stop. And I'm sure many of us have been down that road, myself included. We get really excited to begin a program or some sort of protocol. And maybe the first few days we're like gung-ho and we're 100% and then something happens and it totally derails us and we fall off track and consistency basically goes out the window. So that is exactly what we're diving into today. Sarah is a registered holistic nutritionist, but she's also a consistency coach. In fact, she is known to many as the nutritionist who never talks about food. And she's worked with women around the world through her very popular program called Change Your Brain, Change Your Body. And it helps women to reprogram and rewire the way their brains think about food. Using techniques such as meditation, mindfulness, visualization, thought reframing, and habit mapping, she helps her clients master unique tools that allow them to finally enjoy the consistency that has sometimes eluded them in the past. And she is also the author of a book called Turning Off the Tap, Overcoming the Real Reasons We Overeat. Really excited for this conversation. Let's dive in. Enjoy. Medicinal mushrooms are my jam. I think you guys know my love for fungi, and I have been using the medicinal mushrooms from Aversio Wellness. They use the whole fruiting body mushroom extract, which means you're going to get a really high dose of mushrooms, not the kind that's going to make you high. This is the kind that's going to nourish, protect, and feed your mind, your body, and your soul. They are also all organic, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten-free. So some of the ways that I like to use their products in the morning when I make an elixir or a coffee, I put half of a teaspoon of the Awaken blend. This contains turkey tail, 
cordyceps, and lion's mane. And these three mushrooms have an extraordinary ability to increase energy, brain function, and immunity. And then later in the day, if I'm making a smoothie, I really like to add in a little bit of their balance blend. This contains four mushrooms, reishi, shiitake, maitake, and lion's mane. It's really easy to use this in numerous recipes, teas, coffee, smoothies, maybe you're baking something. It's also really great for immune support and brain function. And then my absolute favorite, the product that has me sleeping like I'm a baby again, and it has been so great for my adrenals and a really great way to calm my nervous system in the evening time. It's the chill. And this is just reishi mushroom. It is a potent adaptogen that really helps to support stress, support the immune function, but also really helps with better sleep. So if you've been following me over on Instagram, you've been seeing me share my sleep scores that I track with my aura ring and my REM and my deep sleep have improved drastically from taking two capsules of chill every single night. If you'd like to get your hands on some of these fantastic fungi, head on over to aversiowellness.com, shop your heart out and use the coupon code wellnesswitch for 15% off. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. It's about time that we've had you here on the podcast. I'm thrilled thrilled to be here. I love you. I'm so excited. So before we dive in, can you share with our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Sarah Best. I am a registered holistic nutritionist, but people do like to joke that I'm the nutritionist who never talks about food. Because, you know, when I started as a nutritionist, I really did start doing all the things that I thought I should do. Like I posted pictures of food and I shared recipes and I worked with some clients to help them lose weight and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize that, you know, they would do really well for a little while. They'd be excited. They'd be on the plan and we'd all be excited we're getting texts. Yay. So good. And then life would kind of get in the way and they'd go back to their old habits and patterns. And I saw this happen over and over again. And it was mirrored in my own story with food, which was I was really an emotional eater. I was like a nighttime binge eater for a long time, hiding candy wrappers and stuff, doing all those things. And I realized even though I was a nutritionist, I was still doing those old things. I was still falling into old habits and patterns. And I put these things together and I thought, hmm, I think there's something else going on here. It's not just about the food. And so then I became obsessed with learning everything about that piece of the puzzle, the What's going on in your brain, the habits, the patterns, the emotional connections to food, you know, our, what we've learned from our families about food, all of that stuff, totally. uh, and really helping people with that piece of the puzzle. So that's what I do now. I run a program called Change Your Brain, Change Your Body, and we talk all about how to sort of reprogram and rewire your relationship with food so that you can make the healthy choices more easily. For sure. For sure. I love that. And it's so needed in this space, 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about like what you see is happening there when we know better and we are like, great, I've got this plan. I've lost some weight or I'm feeling better. And then those old habits creep in and it all just kind of falls apart. Like what's happening there? Yeah. It's so frustrating. And I know so many people experience that, especially that sort of I call it like the self-sabotage cha-cha where we sort of like do really well for a little while, like three steps forward. And then five steps back, you know, and it's like, it can be so frustrating that sort of like, oh, I feel like I'm doing so well. And then I go back to my old ways. And why do I do that? I think there's 
a few reasons. I think one of the biggest ones, though, is really sort of our emotional connection with food. What I see a lot is sort of people kind of using food as almost like a form of self-care. You know, we're we're overwhelmed, we're tired, we're exhausted. We got we're trying to keep all the balls in the air. We've got all the to-do lists. We're not taking care of ourselves. And so often we end up turning to food as a way to numb or avoid uncomfortable feelings like stress or overwhelm or just being tired. And I think often we need to think about like what's a what's a, a more effective solution for those problems instead of the ice cream and the wine, you know, which we're often turning to. I think too, um, you know, I talk a lot in my in my work about mindful eating, and I think that often just the way we're eating, we're not really taking time with our food. We've we're multitasking, we're doing a million things while we're eating, you know, trying to get the kids ready, or we're scrolling through our phones or whatever, driving, working while we're eating, and so we've because of all that, we've sort of lost that mind body connection where we sort of can get those signals from our body about when we're satisfied, when we're when we've had enough, and so we end up overeating we end up making choices that don't really work for our body don't feel good for our bodies and uh so yeah i think those are the two main reasons there's a lot of them but those are the ones i see time and time again for sure for sure and those are good ones for sure yeah. um i see them all the time as well i've dealt I with bet. them myself too i yes, think we, I we all have it at Me some too. point yeah <laughs> absolutely okay so you mentioned mindful eating mm -hmm. let's talk about what that is like how do you define mindful eating yeah, yeah, that's a great question because I see it. I think it's very much sort of in the zeitgeist now. I'll go by magazine covers and I see a lot of you know a lot of comments about mindful eating, and I'm I'm thrilled to see that because I think that most of us are eating mindlessly and kind of like what I just described. What I call mindless eating, the opposite of mindful eating, is mostly the multitasking. Right again, doing a million things while we're eating, whether it's scrolling through the phone, reading, watching TV, driving, working you know, putting on mascara and shoving toast in your mouth, like right. doing a million things while you're just eating. Like if you think about when was, well, you might be better at this, but when is the last <laughs> time most people just sat down and just ate a meal? Like no TV, no phone, no work, no distractions, literally just sit at a table and just eat a meal. This is something I work with my students and clients with. And it's something that many of them have never done or at least have not done maybe in years like their table is covered in clutter and you know they can't even find their dining room table let alone ever remember sitting down and eating at it so that kind of thing we also tend to eat too quickly right we don't we are, we eat very fast we don't chew enough just these sort of basic things mm -hmm. again all kind of often part and parcel with multitasking but again what this does this chronic multitasking eating too quickly just not not paying attention to the the act of eating what this does is it really severs that mind body connection right it stops us from really being able to feel like how does this food feel in my body you know i'm sure you have this too and i get it a lot people ask questions like should i eat grains or should i eat strawberries or should i eat dairy or should i eat this and there can be all kinds of reasons why people maybe should or shouldn't but often it's like it depends what, what works in your body. And one of the only ways you're going to know that is how you actually, your body feels and how it feels today with that food might be different than how it feels next week with that food or how it feels when you're stressed and you eat that food might be different than how it feels when you're on vacation and you eat that food. You know, you will never know that, you know, I can't tell them that Dr. Oz can't tell them that, you know, like the only thing that can tell them that really is their body. And so being able to practice something like mindful eating, which means 
not multitasking, sitting down, eating a meal. I don't mean you have to do this all the time. I know we're busy, but I encourage my students to just pick one meal or snack, maybe a day, just one, even if it's just an apple, you know, that afternoon snack or something and just practice sitting at a table, not your work desk, sitting at a table and just eating, like notice how it smells, notice how it tastes, notice how it feels in your mouth and practice that listening to your body. How does it feel in your body? Does your body like this apple? When has it had enough? Like, when does it feel satisfied? These are questions and sort of an experience that a lot of people are just not having, you know, and my students, and and you might experience this as well. They, sometimes people have really lost the ability to really know how it feels to even be hungry. Like when I say, are you sad? Are you hungry? Are you satisfied? Are you full? These are cues that they are not getting anymore, right? Because they just don't, they haven't been practicing that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I totally get that. Yeah. So, um, okay. A few things there that I want to talk about. (laughs) Well, number one, I used to be guilty of eating in front of my computer. And so that was definitely something I had to be more mindful about. And now actually like taking a lunch break that's not in my office, that's not with my phone or like just taking a lunch break. Yeah. So that's, that's made a huge difference. And I just feel better in my body when I do that. Like I can come back and revisit my work from a place of like more peace and more calm feeling versus like rushing through my meal and trying to work on something like it's not satisfying that way to enjoy my meal that way. Yeah, exactly. And also, as you know, I mean, it it doesn't work well with our sort of the way our digestive system works, right? Your digestive system really needs to be in a place of relaxation, of rest and digest, you know, and if you're in sort of fight or flight, like you are really again, focused on work, especially if work is stressful or if you're watching the news and it's stressing you out or if you're scrolling through your phone and it's, you know, you're getting engaged that way, your body's really not going to even digest the food properly or really assimilate those nutrients properly because you're just not in the right mind frame. So it's important for a lot of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned, this is a bit of a random question. You mentioned clutter on the dining room table. Oh yeah. Do you find that that's an issue. Like, do you recommend to people to clear out that clutter? Do you do you find it has an impact? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I say that I say that only because most people have so much clutter on their dining room table that they just don't use it as a dining room table. It's just a receptacle for crap. Um, and so I encourage them to move it away just so they can sit there. But you're right about I, I'm sure that just having that physical clutter does play a role because I also really do encourage people to sort of and sometimes I find people do this naturally when you do ask them to kind of sit down and take that moment like you are with your lunch break is they is I love when I see because I ask people to share pictures in my little mindful eating group. And um, although and then put your phone away, of course. But <laughs> but uh, I love it when I see people have sort of like a beautiful like cloth napkin and maybe light a candle and have like the nice silverware and the nice plates out. Like it might seem like a silly thing, but it's really not because making the act of eating, I think, into more of almost an act of self-care, I think can really be transformative, again, in terms of changing your relationship with food. A lot of people have a really, you know, layered, toxic, weighty relationship with food, right? They've maybe struggled with food for a long time. Maybe they have a history of watching parental figures, maybe a mother, often a woman in your life, struggling with food, right? Really an unhealthy relationship with it, you know, where it almost feels like the enemy, something I just have to do. I hear people say that all the time. I just, I just, you know, I wish I didn't have to think about food. 
And I understand that tendency, especially if you've spent decades dieting and you feel like food's the enemy. But I really encourage people to, again, as part and parcel of all this, start building a more loving relationship with food, like have eating be like an act of self-care and self-love. And I think that means making it almost sort of a little, a little sacred time for yourself. Again, like light that candle, bring out the nice plates, you know, yep. have a, a flower or, a, you know, use the nice cloth napkins. And, and, and I think you're right. Clear off the clutter, like make it a really a nice little space for yourself and make the act of start making the act of eating an enjoyable moment for yourself instead of just something I have to do and food is just the enemy. And, right. you know, that is yeah. that is not a, a healthy sort of mindset around how we're eating. I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. how can we make healthier habits feel easier to stick with? Yeah. I mean, obviously part. the mindful eating is, is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things we know from just um, a lot of research that's being done in the world of habits in general, whether it's about food or not. I did some training with BJ Fogg, who wrote the book Tiny Habits, and his student, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, that has been a bestseller for so long. Mm -hmm. They've been doing a lot of great work in the world of habits. And there's a couple of things. There's two key things, really, that make habits stickier, as we might say, mm -hmm. right? Like more feel more automatic and feel right. less like you need willpower to, to do them. One is to just make them easier, right? So to just take out whatever the barriers are to you doing the thing. You know, if right. you want to create a habit of going for a walk every morning, make it easier for yourself. Put your shoes by the door before you go to bed. You know, um, if you need help with something so you can get out of the house for an hour, set that up ahead of time. You know, do whatever you need to do to make it easier because your brain is always going to want to do things that are easier. So that's one thing, make it easier. That will help make it stickier. And then two, make it more desirable, right? Your brain is always just going to want to do things that it enjoys. It does, you know, it seems really basic, but we are often trying to do things that don't feel good. You know, we're trying to be like, oh, I have to go. I should exercise. So I need to go for a three hour run or I need to right. drive to the gym and blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't feel good sometimes, right? So any way you can make it feel more desirable. And there's lots of ways you can do that. You can create little rewards for yourself you know sometimes people are like if i okay if i do this hour walk then i'll give myself you know 20 minutes on instagram to scroll through or something you know set up little rewards for yourself or just little fun celebrations you know again there's a lot of research into how immediate we our brain loves immediate rewards so if you can set up like an immediate way to celebrate and it can be something as simple as like just giving yourself a little high five or something you know which might seem funny and you might feel stupid doing it, but it actually really, the brain science is in about that, right? Your brain loves little, little celebrations, singing a little song to yourself in your head that makes you feel like you're a rock star or whatever, whatever you need to do to make it feel more desirable. These are two key things that make it easy and make it more desirable will always make habits feel stickier. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that first point just seems so obvious. It does, but we don't, we often make things really hard. We make them complicated. And yeah. I think that's often because we make it too big. You know, we tend to try and say, okay, I'm going to cut out all sugar or I'm going to right. work out for an hour every day this week. And these are just, it's too big. It doesn't feel easy and it doesn't feel desirable, right? This is, yeah. you're doomed. You're never going to create a habit like that. For sure. But instead, see if you can just, break that down so that it feels a little easier and a little more desirable and it will be much much stickier i'm such a For fan sure. of baby steps you know I, and you probably find this too i just feel like people try and it's this all or nothing thinking it's like i'm gonna do all the things 
And that might feel good for a day or so and you're on top of the world, but we know how that ends, right? And then we just end up feeling, again, that totally three steps forward, five steps back. It will be much more um, consistent forward momentum if we can take, if we can just embrace the power of just baby steps. You know, the compounding effect of baby steps in terms of health changes is massive. For sure. For sure. I mean, when you look at just like amazing before and after transformations of somebody that's lost a hundred pounds like that, that's because there was consistent baby steps every single day. That didn't happen overnight or in two weeks. That was a long-term, you know, everyday commitment, right? Yeah. Um, And I'm sure many bumps in the road along the way as well, you know? Yeah. It's not always just so lenient. And that's why we have to set up those little celebrations, those little wins along the way. Give yourself a little gift because, you know, I always like working with, with the way your brain is sort of naturally wired. I think a lot of sort of diet culture and some of these things have us actually working really at odds with the way our brain is wired. And that's why we tend to fail. Um, and so I like to try and find ways to work with the way your brain is wired. And again, your brain loves immediate reward, right? Your brain's not great at getting excited about future rewards. We try sometimes, you know, we try and think about like imagining ourselves with that hundred pound weight loss and it might sound exciting for a little while, but it's not enough, right? Your brain loves immediate reward. That's why they, the, you know, the bakery puts the donuts at the front, not because they don't have storage in the back, but because they know that when they're right in front of you, you're going to want them more, right? The restaurant puts pictures of the food on the menu again, because they know that if you see it, if it feels like immediate reward. It's, it's almost, it's, it's impossible to ignore. Right. And so anyway, we can, that your brain's just going to always do that. There's no getting around it. So let's use that to our advantage. And let's think about how we can make these little baby steps that are going to consistently take us in the right direction. How can we set up quick wins that feel really good? And again, that can be the silliest little thing, like just a little high, you know, pumping your fist in the air or, you know, again, sort of singing that song in your head or I don't know, whatever you need to do, giving yourself a little right. gold star in your journal or something, something immediate. And that feels like a, just a little moment of celebration for yourself that will be much more enticing to your brain. Just a quick interruption to chat about my favorite CBD oil from Eaton Hemp. I love using the extra strength full spectrum CBD oil, which is 1500 milligrams per ounce. If you're looking to include CBD into your routine and you're looking for some support with sleep or anxiety, or even with PMS symptoms and discomfort and inflammation, this is definitely my go-to brand. It is certified organic, full spectrum, unfiltered, third-party tested. It's grown in the USA as well as processed and bottled in the USA. It contains organic hemp seed oil, full spectrum CBD. Head on over to EatonHemp.com, check out their CBD oil options, and use the code WellnessSwitch for 20% off. Okay, so let's talk about, you mentioned the brain. Mm-hmm. And reprogramming your brain, changing your brain. Um, what does that mean? And yeah, can you yeah. like break down the nerdy, sciencey stuff a little bit? Yeah, a little about bit. What's sure. going on there? Yeah, it comes back to you know. I always feel like um, I always imagine that we sort of have this like operating system in our brain, right? And I find that people, I think that what people are doing often when they're trying to create healthier lifestyle, healthier habits is they're trying to kind of run new behaviors on top of an old operating system, right? It's almost like trying to 
play like a DVD in an old VHS player, like the, the DVD might be great, might be the best movie ever, might be perfect, but it's never going to work if you keep trying to shove it into a VHS player. And this is how I imagine it around, like if you're trying to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, plan and prepare healthy meals. I'm going to, you know, eat whole food diet, whatever. But you don't first update that operating system that still has all that old wiring around stress eating and eating, binge eating at night and turning to food when you're sad and all the stuff your mother showed you about food or whatever you're dragging along with you, right? Whatever that old operating system is in your brain. I really believe that needs to be reprogrammed a little bit before it will welcome and adopt those new healthy behaviors that you want to do. And I think often this is what we're doing. We're trying to fit this kind of square peg in a round hole. And that's why we feels so hard. So I think there's a lot of techniques we can use to kind of do this reprogramming. Um, one of the ones I love is visualization. It's one that I work with my clients on a lot because it does a couple of things we already talked about, which is it helps make that future you that you want to create with the healthy habits and the healthy, the way you want to feel in your body and feel about yourself and all of that. It helps bring that a little more into the present. It, help, it helps take that out of the future, a faraway reward, and helps bring it a little more as, a, as an immediate reward, which, as I just said, your brain loves. So I love the practice of visualization. And I, I really have my students kind of do this on a daily basis. And it can you know, just be a couple of minutes a day. But just really imagining yourself as, that, as being that person you want to be. It's almost like a little imaginary land in your head. And you get mm -hmm. to be her doing whatever she would do, whether it's sometimes it could be a big thing. Maybe there's like a, a thing, a, a goal you want to accomplish. You want to run that 10K or you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or you want to go on that hiking trip with your kids or whatever. Imagine yourself doing that, you know, or it might just be um, kind of like what a perfect day would look like for you as that future, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to kind of conjure that up in your mind so it you can actually really feel yourself there and see yourself there and really imagine that's really happening right now. And just taking a few moments every day in that sort of imaginary land and uh, just feeling what it feels like to be her. I find that that really brings it into the present, makes that into an immediate reward. So that's a great technique for that. Also, I think we have to start to get, you know, do a little excavation around what are those old habits and patterns? What is that old relationship with food? I think putting aside the judgment and the constantly beating ourselves up about like, why do I do this? And I'm so, you know, so frustrating and all that. Put that all aside and instead put sort of your scientist hat on. I was going to say scientist hat, but scientists don't wear hats. Maybe like your lab coat and become like a, collect some data, right? About like, where did this come from? I think it's useful to go back and think about how, what was sort of modeled for you around food. Um, again, not to blame anybody in your past, but we do tend to become what was modeled for us. So often my clients and students had uh, watched somebody in their life. It was usually a woman, unfortunately, a mother or a sister or an aunt or all of the above. And, um, they took on things early about weight and about how much you could eat and what things you should eat and shouldn't eat and all kinds of messages that were taught to us when we were young about food and our bodies and all of that stuff. It's good to just be start to be aware of that, sort of follow those breadcrumbs back and realize where your current operating system came from. So uh, yeah, those are some of the techniques that we use. But there's lots of ways that you can begin to sort of... What we know about the brain now, thank goodness, is that you can reprogram you can break old neural pathways and create new ones around new healthy habits if you sort of understand how that works in the brain that's powerful i yeah. love that amazing yeah. okay so where does willpower <laughs> fit mm. into all of this 
Yeah, I think willpower gets way too much credit. Um, it's not a great technique as far as I'm concerned. Um, willpower is fine. I sort of think of it as like a like a booster rocket. Like it might get you a little bit. It might sort of begin something. You know, it might encourage you to like start something new or um, explore a new path. But it's not a sustainable fuel source, shall we say. You know, um, a couple of things about willpower, like it's, it easily runs out. So what I mean by that is sort of like, you can imagine that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you have sort of 10 units in your willpower bank account, assuming you had a good sleep, which again, if you didn't have a good sleep, you're probably already down a few units. Um, We all know how that feels, Mm -hmm. but assuming you've had a good sleep and you're doing well and you're healthy and you're not super stressed, then you, let's say you have 10 units we'll give you. And then as you go through your day, see what people don't really realize about willpower is that we always think about willpower as like avoiding the donut or the second glass of wine, but really you're using willpower. It's the same thing in the brain every time you make a choice. So every time you decide yes or no, you're going to answer this email or yes or no, you're going to actually say what you're thinking to your boss <laughs> or you're going to click on a thing on Facebook or you're not, or you're going to, you know, all the things, every time you make a decision, what you're going to wear, you know, what, what road you're going to take to work, whatever. Every time you make a decision, you're taking a little withdrawal from that decision-making bank account, right? Mm -hmm. So then when you need to make a decision later on, and this is why nighttime snacking is the number one thing people struggle with and ask me about, right? because they feel like they can do really well all day, but then they all falls apart at night. It's often because of this, the bank account, the willpower bank account has run dry (laughs) by the time it's nine or 10 o'clock, right? They've made so many choices and decisions throughout the day that by the time they've got nothing left. And now they are completely vulnerable to the the bottle of wine and the ice cream and all of the things, right? So that's why willpower, you know, it's fine. It's it's a tool. It can, you know, it's part of the arsenal, I guess, but it's not a reliable fuel source. And that's why we have to create these other, we have to do this other deeper work to really lay down these foundational habits and break the old habits so that we're not constantly relying on willpower because it's just not going to be there when you need it. It's not going to be there at the end of the day. It's not going to be there when you're extra stressed and you've had a million other decisions to make because there's so much going on in your life. Not going to be there if you haven't been sleeping. It's not going to be there for many other reasons. So it's just not reliable is what I would say. Totally. I guess like, would you say the same thing about motivation? Mm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think motivation exactly sort of they kind of go in the same. Mm -hmm. I would say they go hand in hand. People tell me all the time, I just need to get motivated. Right. Um, I what I find about motivation is that motivation follows action. People think that they need to uh, wait for motivation and then they will act as soon as I get motivated. I just need to get motivated again. Then I'm going to do then I'm going to get back on track. But it's actually the complete opposite. Right. Motivation follows action. So back to baby steps. Right. Do something, take one little baby step and it can be so ridiculously small. You know, it can literally be like, you're going to put on your running shoes and you're going to walk to the mailbox and back. That's fine. You took some action, right? And what you will find is that once you do that, motivation follows action. And then you'll be like, oh, that was kind of fun. You know, I did that. And maybe tomorrow I can go all the way down to the end of the block. Or maybe I call a friend and we go, you know, to the conservation area or something, go for a walk. Like motivation follows action. And I think often people are waiting for the other way around. Totally. It's the same thing with like clarity. I hear it from like all my business students all the time. It's just like, I don't know what to post. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say because I just, I don't have clarity. And I'm like, you actually have to take action. Yes. And the clarity will come. come. You do it a lot. It sounds so backwards, 
but it's so true. It's the same thing it's with the so motivation, true. right? Yeah. Once you, yeah. yeah, you take the action, the clarity, more clarity will come. The motivation yeah. will come. Yeah. It all yeah. starts. The more to action you that. take, the more motivated, more motivated you will feel. For sure. Because you not taking action and sitting back and thinking about it actually drives more like anxiety and overwhelm and even more confusion, right? Yeah. And also there's another piece of this puzzle and this kind of speaks to this reprogramming business I've been talking about too, is that I think, I really think there's a big identity piece in this. You know, James mm-hmm. Clear says this in his book, Atomic Habits, that at, at their core, habit change is really about identity change. That the only way you can really stay on track long-term with new habits is if you literally, and this is also why I love visualization, it all comes together, is like, you have to see yourself as the kind of person who would do that, you know? You have to see yourself as the kind of person who makes self-care a priority, who makes their eating whole good food a priority. You know, if you don't see yourself as that person, it's going to be potentially impossible really long term for you to stick with that. And so that's why when you take that little action, you know, now you're somebody who goes for a walk and maybe it was just a tiny walk. But now it's like, oh, no, I'm somebody who does that. Even when I didn't really feel like it, I put on my shoes and I went for a walk. Gosh, darn it. And so like I'm that person. And you start that that starts. This is the reprogramming, right? This is when we start to literally start changing that operating system. And so you see yourself differently. Maybe it's just a little bit. But before but but if you just sit around feeling like, oh, I just need to get motivated. And why don't I do this? And I'm never going to stay blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a certain identity that you have about yourself. You know, you, not, right now you believe that you're somebody who does not stick with things, who doesn't, who isn't motivated, who doesn't have willpower. And that's who you will be if you don't take action to change that identity, you know? Yeah. I think I that's a big that. piece of it. The identity piece. Who do you really believe yourself to be? And you can, you can act your way into becoming a different person, you know, by just by taking those little actions. Right. So then what do you think about like fake it till you make it? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's another way of saying that. I, I kind of agree. I mean, but you're not faking it, right? Yeah. Really? Because you're, you're, doing, you're it. doing it. I mean, yeah. again, maybe it's not as big as you would have imagined. Maybe you're not running that 5k yet or whatever. You're not planning all your meals or cooking everything from scratch, but you're doing something. And, and that means something, you know, I have a client, we were just on a call about this and she's, she's been struggling with exercise and everything. And because she had really had this story in her head, this identity that I don't like to work out. I, I hate exercise. I always have. Blah, blah, blah. She had this whole story. And so that's what she was experiencing. But then she started taking these little walks. And she, it was so funny because she had this stop sign at the end of her street. And it, it was literally like she could see the stop sign from her house. But she would put on her shoes and she would walk to that stop sign and she would touch it and take a picture of it and send it to me. And she said to me the other day, you know what I realized, Sarah? She's like, I'm a walker. Like I'm somebody who walks and I I was like, exactly. Right. Like you're a walker. And, uh, and that was huge for her. And when she, when she started to think of herself no longer just as somebody who hates exercise and doesn't like to be outdoors and blah, blah, blah. But now she's like, no, I'm actually a walker. And so, and now she's been like, so now I do walker things and I'm going to make walker (laughs) friends. (laughs) And it was so sweet because it was huge for her to just see herself differently because, you know, and that is such a big piece of it. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love that. Okay. So what happens if, or when, you know, someone's on this like weight loss journey, for example, and the weight comes back. You know, they've like created all these new habits. They lost the weight, whatever that is. And then now it comes back. Like now what? Now what happens with all that effort and that work and the habit? 
Yeah, I know. It's super frustrating. And and I a couple of things. I think that I do think we have to sort of just anybody who's going to embark on the journey of trying to create a healthier lifestyle for themselves. I think it's really helpful at the beginning just to sort of embrace the fact that it's it's going to be like a dance. You know, we want it to be this linear process of like, I'm going to do this program or I'm going to work with this coach. I'm going to get this thing, whatever. And I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and then I'm going to get to the end and it, and it'll be perfect. It's going to be, I hit the finish line. Right. But it just never, ever works that way, ever, I don't think, right? I mean, it's always this sort of a dance. It's like, kind of like I was saying, it's like three steps forward, two steps back, five steps forward, spin around, fall down, two steps forward, you know? And I think the more we can just, just accept that that's the way it's going to be and just embrace that and just, again, it's more about... um trajectory than position, right? Another thing that James Clear talks about in, in his books is like, what, again, baby steps, it can be just a little bit, but like, where are you moving towards, right? We're all moving towards something, nothing is static. So where are you moving towards? Instead of just focusing on where you are right now, where, what path are you on, right? I also think there's a huge part here around just self-forgiveness. I think it's, we're so hard on ourselves, where there's so much negative self-talk and judgment. And not only A, does that feel awful, who wants to live like that? But there is a lot of interesting science around how self-judgment um, actually contributes to more unhealthy behaviors, right? I was actually just reading this morning, I was doing a video for my YouTube channel about this, actually about self-forgiveness. And there was this study that was done um, where these psychologists had, they had a group of women that were working on weight loss and they brought them in and they told them that the study was two parts. It was around, one was about food and how it relates to mood. And then the second part was going to be actually just a way to um, assess different new candies that were on the market and which one they liked more. And so the women were told for the first part about the food and mood, they had to eat a donut really fast and a, drink a big glass of water and then just write how they felt. And then after that, they were going to go into this room full of candy and they could just test all the candies and they just had to rate them like one to 10. And so all the women did the donut and the water, eat the donut really fast, drink the water. And really what that was supposed to do is just make them feel uncomfortably full, right? right? For the purposes of the study. Then they separated them into two groups. One group, they told, they had a little chat with them before they went to the candy room. And they said, we understand that some people who do this study, they get really down on themselves about eating that donut, right? And they judge themselves and they're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And we just want to tell you that like, it's no big deal. It's fine. Just, you know, it's a little indulgence just a donut. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't be hard on yourself. The other group was told nothing, just ushered into the candy room. So after then they went and did the candy part, eat as many candies as you want, rate them one to 10. They measured the bowls in the two rooms to see how much candy the women had eaten in that second room. The women that had been given the lovely message about self-forgiveness and don't be hard on yourself, they ate an average of 28 grams of candy each. The other group that had been given no such lovely message, they ate an average of 70 grams each, more than Whoa. double. So it's very interesting, right? How, because that's what they were doing. They were doing that sort of all or nothing. I already ruined everything. Right. right? I already blew it. I might as well just eat everything. The, the, what the hell effect, as psychologists call it. And so it just shows the power of self-forgiveness. I think that the more we can... Every time we see ourselves going into self-judgment, because it's very natural, very human. But when you see yourself doing that, just stop yourself and see if you can instead lean into forgiveness, compassion, right? right? What would you yeah. say to a friend who came to you and said, oh my gosh, I've been working so hard and I was doing so well. And now I've gained, I just stepped on the scale after the holidays and I've gained 10 pounds back. And right. what would you say to her? You wouldn't say, 
oh, well, you've ruined it all. There's no point in going on. You're totally. a failure. No, you would be probably, hopefully, very loving and compassionate with her and just, you know, encourage her to move on. So I think the more we can do that to ourselves, it, again, not only does it feel better, but there's actually a lot of science behind the fact that it's much more effective and prevents us from going even further into unhealthy choices. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. What a great, what a great way to like test, you know, with yeah. like, the negative self-talk and the positive self-talk. Like that's, you know, really what that's highlighting. What, yeah. what we like say to ourselves every day. Direct impact on how much you eat afterwards. So that's huge. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for all of that. Let yeah. our listeners know where they can find you and connect with you and your programs and what you're up to. Yeah, for sure. You can uh, learn more about my programs over just on my website at sarahbass.com. Um, if you want to learn more specifically about mindful eating and how to sort of learn a little bit of those tools and techniques so you can implement near them in your life, I run a challenge, a five-day challenge, mindful eating that we do. It's totally free, but it's super fun. I've been doing it for years. We've had thousands of people go through it. I still get messages from people who are using those skills. So you can go to um, sarahbess.com slash mindful eating. And just awesome. sign up for that. Again, it's totally free. Free. We run it about every month. So whenever you hop over there, there'll be another one coming. So you can sign up and uh, and just learn more about those those skills and 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 how you can kind of use them for stress, for when you're traveling, for evening, for all of those times. They're going to be really useful. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. We'll be sure to put that in our show notes. And thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much. This was so fun. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you everyone for being with us today. I really hope you enjoyed our interview. If you would like to connect with Sarah, you can find her on Instagram at Sarah Best Nutrition, and you can also head to her website, sarahbest.com. She also has a free five-day mindful eating challenge. You can sign up for that, sarahbest.com forward slash challenge. We will have all of this in the show notes as well. You can locate that on our website. Thanks again for being here. And if you found this episode beneficial and can support somebody in your life. We would love it if you can share it with them. Thanks again, everyone. Chat with you next week. Take care.